What's up, everybody? Welcome if you're a new listener and welcome back if you're a returning listener. I'm your host, Christina Royster, and this is Young Black Independentated. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening and you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the YBO Podcast. I have a lot to cover today because since YBO became a bi-weekly podcast, I haven't talked to y'all in like two weeks and there's a lot to catch up on. So let's just jump right into the episode. Okay, y'all, if you normally listen to the show, you know that I always start every episode with Put Y'all On, but I don't even have a Put Y'all On today. I have a lot of topics to cover, so I'm going to just do that. I'm going to just jump right in, okay? (laughs) So first, I want to talk about what I've been watching, and um, I recently saw Shang-Chi. That was a great movie, had everything you could expect from a Marvel movie, Um, loved the diverse cast. But specifically, I want to talk about Aquafina because Aquafina has been in the news more after um, the debut of Shang-Chi. And I feel like this girl, every year, th- this girl is, is the topic of conversation as far as her being uh, culturally appropriating the black culture. And this is what I have to say about Aquafina. Number one, I enjoyed her performance in Shang-Chi. I, th- I think she did a great job. But yeah, she had her same old black scent. Is that that's what people call it when you when you put on an accent to try to talk like a black person, a black scent. She had her same old black scent in uh Shang-Chi as she did in Crazy Rich Asians and and Ocean's 8 or not Ocean's 8. Yeah, Ocean's 8, that's the name of the movie. Whatever. She always uses that same voice. So then it becomes is she really putting on a black scent or is that just the way the girl talks? I'm not trying to, you know, be a Aquafina stand by any means, but I'm just trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Like, is she using it to her advantage? Probably yes, definitely. But I don't think that she intentionally is saying, let me talk ghetto. If the girl is really from New York and if she grew up around black people, she probably naturally took on those phrases and that tone of voice. I mean, you have to think, White people talk like black people all the time, saying, yes, girl. And that brings me to another point, how the other day I go to Bath and Body Works and the um, associate was way too friendly. This girl, was she was a white woman. She was like, you need a basket queen? Here you go, love. Here you go, queen. She kept calling me queen. And I'm like, now, does she call everybody that or is she calling me queen because I'm black? Stuff like that. That's where I'm just like, okay, you're overdoing it. Aquafina, I don't hate the girl. She probably does culturally appropriate, but I'm not about to cancel her because I just don't care that much about Aquafina. Aquafina is not the, the topic of, of, my, of my day, okay? So uh, the black scent, yeah, I'll give it to y'all. She probably is using a black scent, but I, I, I'm just tired of trying to uh, put out every fire, so to speak. Everybody's doing it. So am I about to just cancel everybody? I don't got the time. Now I will say I, I, I was introduced to Aquafina as an actress. I never knew she had a music career before acting or being a comedian. I never knew that she wanted to be a hip hop star. Recently, some old videos of her resurfaced, of, of course, as they always do, of her trying to rap and the song was about vaginas. It was stupid. It, it was odd and it was stupid and it was definitely forced. And in that regard, Aquafina, you do not need to be a hip hop star. You will never be a hip hop star. <laughs> you do not need to be rapping. 
But, you know, as far as the black sin, everybody's always going to be mad about something. And the, the girl's getting her coin. There's a lot of people making money off of talking black. So I can't even hate. The girl, the, the girl is of color, at least. It doesn't make it any better, but you know what I'm saying? I just feel like there's other fish to fry besides worrying about if Aquafina is using a black scent or not. I, I, I have to admit, I haven't done a lot of research on her. I think she is from New York, and I feel like if you grew up in New York, you probably did pick up on some things. So that's where I'm going to leave it at with Aquafina. Let me know y'all opinion on social media or whatever. Uh, if you are not feeling Aquafina, but the movie was good. Shang-Chi was good and we'll probably expect some, uh, some, some more videos in that series from Marvel. Marvel, Marvel at this point is just trying to figure out, okay, Avengers is over. What are we going to do next? They got Eternals in the toolbox. They got Black Panther 2 in the toolbox. So we're, they're not going anywhere. This is just about to be a rebirth, so to speak of Marvel and, and Avengers 2.0. Now the other movie that I saw in the theaters recently was Candyman. And somebody specifically told me that they wanted to hear my opinion about Candyman. So here it is. Number one, I was so excited to see this movie. Like since last year, since 2020, when I first found out this, this movie was happening. Because Candyman is a movie that I actually remember watching as a child or preteen. I don't remember what age I was. But I remember watching that movie and actually being scared for my life. Candyman is one of those classics that genuinely scared me. Because a lot of scary movies don't do it for me these days. But that one, I'm sorry, y'all. I just got so distracted because I'm on my computer and I saw an ad that says, Meet the cast of HBO's F-Boy Island. Where do they be coming up with these dang reality shows? <laughs> F-Boy Island. Okay. But anyways, Candyman. I was excited. And so my boyfriend told me, well, Christina, I heard uh, a review that said Candyman wasn't that good. And I'm thinking, how is it not that good if it reached number one at the box office? And in case you live under a rock and you didn't hear the news, Nia DaCosta became the first black woman director with the number one film at the box office with Candyman. That's a huge deal. So uh, I don't know who said the movie wasn't that good, but apparently somebody thought it was to make it number one at the box office. So I'm like, whatever, I'm gonna go see the movie anyway. So we go see the movie, and what I want to say about Candyman is it was definitely suspenseful, it was definitely mysterious, it played on um, the history and the legacy of Candyman in the last movie. Uh, I feel like they definitely tricked me by having that lady from the first movie in the trailer because I thought she would play a big part. She was only in one scene. I was disappointed by that. And... Overall, the movie was good, but it had a lot of more questions than answers. I feel like there were some parts in the movie that were not even necessary. And I'm sorry if this is a spoiler to anyone, but the character William. I feel like William, they could have just left him as like, oh, here's the history of Candyman and I'm just a neighborhood guy telling you what's up. Everything that happened after that with William, I was like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? Why are you here his character just didn't seem necessary to me. And there were some other things that were question marks for me because obviously Jordan Peele had a hand in this movie and in some shape or fashion, a Jordan Peele movie is going to have some satire about society and how black people are treated in society. Uh, that's just kind of become his thing. And so this movie definitely talked a lot about the black experience as far as gentrification, urban development, city planning, and how black people are forced into projects and how what that what that does 
for our family structure and what that does for our community. And I was really actually feeling the part of the movie where only the white people die. Sorry if you're a white listener, but it's not often that only white people die in a scary movie. The black people are usually the first to die. So well, when I caught on to the fact that Candyman was only killing white people, I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. But I mean, that sounds awful. I don't want white people to die. I'm just saying like the movie was lit. And so, but then even that part is not accurate because a black girl did die in, in the movie. William's sister did die. So that was inconsistent. I just feel like it wasn't exactly the scary slasher I was expecting. Some people did die, but they didn't even really show people dying. They showed like blood splatter. They didn't even show people really dying. Like, I know this make, makes me sound crazy, but I'm here for the blood and the guts and the gore. I like a good slasher movie. One of my favorite movies is Nightmare on Elm Street. So those were the areas where I felt like Candyman was lacking. But overall, I definitely enjoyed it. Yaya did his thing. Um, the other girl that played his girlfriend, I can't remember her name right now, but she's breaking out as a black actress and I'm, I'm excited to see more from her. So overall, that's what I've been watching at the movies and that's what I took away from those two movies. Now, besides uh, going to the movies, uh, you know, I've still been streaming and I'm gonna share with y'all what I've been watching. On Netflix, y'all gotta check out this series called Untold Crimes and Penalties. Um, They had an episode... I guess it's like a series. They have different episodes. The episode that I watched was about the mafia and how in the early 2000s, this mafia dude from, was he from New York? Yeah, from New York. Wait, was it New York? I think it was New York or Jersey. One of them, whatever. They they were, they were in the tri-state area, okay? And so this mafia dude, in order to launder money, he bought his high school son a professional hockey team, a minor league hockey team. And you can guess how that went. The boy was 17 years old. He didn't know what he was doing and it was a mess. And you know how in hockey, um, they are, they, they fight, they're, they're violent, they're brutal. This guy took it to the extreme. What was interesting to the, about this story to me was he basically was a kid in the early 2000s. And he said, my favorite things were hockey and WWE. And he essentially combined those two with his franchise and it was just a, it was a, a fight to the finish. It was a bloodbath. Every game started out with a fight. Every game ended with a fight. Every game had fights beginning to end because that's the kind of hockey franchise that he wanted to have. They were called the bad boys of hockey. Um, it was just a very interesting story. And, and all of this just to hide your daddy's mafia money. So there were definitely some terrible, terrible injuries. There were some people going to jail and it was a very interesting story. So make sure y'all watch that. It's kind of true crime meets sports. It was really good. Also coming to Netflix, Dear White People. Now, I haven't read too much about this because as soon as I saw the first announcement, I was like, ugh, next. Um, they're doing a musical. I don't know if it's going to be one episode or the whole season, but I truly hope and pray it is only one episode because nobody wants to watch a Dear White People musical. I love musicals, but I don't want to see that from Dear White People. It's just not it for me. And so I don't know if they're doing the whole episode, the whole season or just an episode, but I don't think anybody's really interested. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. A lot of people don't seem excited. Um, so we'll see. And is this the last season of that, that show? I 
think it might be because, you know, it is a college show and they will be seniors. So keep an eye out for that. I, I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 22nd. I think it dropped today. So keep an eye out for that. Now, the last thing I want to talk about what y'all should be watching is the Savage Fenty Fashion Show. Unfortunately, this airs on Thursday, September 23rd, and I'm recording this on September 22nd. So I can't give you my actual review of the fashion show because I haven't seen it yet, but it will be airing on Amazon Prime, y'all. So this is a must-see event. Y'all know Rihanna has just been everywhere these days um, with her relationship with ASAP Rocky, which I didn't even know that was a real thing. I really genuinely thought they was just friends taking pictures together. I didn't realize they were really dating. So <laughs> I'm behind on my pop culture news. But yeah, um, this is going to be her third fashion show with Amazon Prime. And I read somewhere, let me scroll down. They're going to have Normani, Nas, Bia, and Jasmine Sullivan confirmed. So this is like a part concert, part runway performance. And also, Rihanna is now just one of two designers who've ever been able to convince Madonna's 24-year-old daughter, Lola Leone, to grace the runway. So Rihanna definitely has that star power. She can get anybody on board. I mean, in the photos we've seen of the fashion show, we've seen Vanessa Hudgens. We've seen Erica Badu. Just, we don't know who's going to pull, pull up at the Savage Fenty show tomorrow. Well, today, because this episode is coming out on the 23rd. So I'll be back next episode <laughs> in two weeks with my opinion, if I remember y'all. But that's what I've been watching and what I think y'all should watch. Oh yeah, speaking of watch, let's let's talk about the Met Gala and the VMAs and the Emmys since I, I brought up Rihanna. It is award season. And I've been covering most of it on YBO's uh, Instagram and Facebook. So if you're not following social media, you definitely want to be on there because if I don't talk about it on the podcast, I'm posting about it. Let's start with the Met Gala since I brought up Rihanna. The Met Gala, I believe the theme was, um, I'm drawing a blank, uh, American fashion. No, that's not right. Let me read it. The theme was, in America, a lexicon of fashion. And so people had different takes on American fashion. Some looks that I did not like were uh, Serena Williams. I don't really know what that was. The lace bodysuit with the ombre fur jacket. It was all too much. It was overbearing for me. Now, granted, this is avant-garde. This is fashion. Maybe I'm not a fashionista. Maybe I don't know. But from the untrained eye, that look was not it. That look was a miss. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else I really wasn't feeling. Um, Kim, Kim Kardashian, I actually didn't mind that look, the all-black look. And then um, my friend started putting together that perhaps um, – all the artists who were wearing Balenciaga were making a statement with Black Lives Matter because they all the black all the Balenciaga outfits were all black. I don't know if that's what Kim was trying to do, but Rihanna straight up came out and said she was trying to wear a black hoodie type of dress to you know call to the fact that uh, black people are always put down for wearing our black hoodies, but she was trying to bring it you know make her own and bring fashion to it. So shout out to Rihanna for that. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Nobody, nobody else I really couldn't stand. I thought the Sierra Russell Wilson 
nod was cute. Uh, it wasn't my favorite look, but it was cute. It was it was nice. Um, let's move on to the VMAs. If 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 we're talking about looks, I don't know what the fuck Doja Cat had on. Some of those looks, <laughs> she looked like a damn couch. But um, I guess that was like one of her first times hosting an award show. I don't know. But um. Uh, yeah, it, it, the looks just were not it for me. And speaking of, I really didn't look. Ha I really didn't like Halle Bailey's VMAs look either. Um, it was like tinfoil, girl. No, and, and and I was actually surprised by the winners at the VMAs. And I guess this just goes to show that times are changing. The Hot 100 has all new artists I've never even seen before. Olivia Rodrigo, best new artist. Um. Best R&B went to Silk Sonic. They only have two songs together. They only have, how did they win? They only have two songs together. They beat out a lot of people to win Best R&B. Best Hip Hop was franchised by Travis Scott featuring Young Thug and M.I.A. I don't think that should have won, but okay then. So you, you see what I'm saying? Song of the Year also went to Olivia Rodrigo. I guess this stuff is just not for me anymore. I'm getting, I'm getting old and I wasn't impressed. But uh, some of the performances were good, though. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the VMAs, I didn't even watch it. Y'all know I don't have cable, so I'm not watching anything live. I'm always watching the post-production, okay? <laughs> and let's talk about the Emmys for a second. I already posted about this on the YBO Instagram, but I just want to dig a little deeper here. So there was a record number of people of color nominated for Emmys. Lots of nominations, right? No winners. No person of color won a major acting category. So that begs the question, are the Emmys so white? We've heard Oscars so white. Are the Emmys now getting so white? Because you sat here and you threw us a bone. You gave us all these nominations, but we still didn't win. Now, I've never watched Bridgerton. I've never watched The Crown. But are they really better than Billy Porter's performance in Pose? Please let me know, y'all, because I haven't watched them, so maybe I'm missing something. But I just can't believe that a black person didn't win a single acting category. Now, we did have something else to celebrate. I posted that Michaela Cole is the first black woman to win the Outstanding Writing for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie Award for I May Destroy You. RuPaul's Drag Race won the award for Outstanding Competition Program, making RuPaul the most awarded black artist in Emmy's history with 11 career wins. So that's saying something, right? If the most, if, if the most decorated Emmy's winner is a black gay man, then don't you think y'all should start giving some more awards to black people? I don't know, I'm just saying. I'm so happy that Michaela won. I'm so happy that RuPaul made history, but it's not enough. We don't want her to be nominated. We want to win. We want to be taken seriously. We want to be considered. And um, if, if, the, if the black people really weren't that good this year, then fine. But I just don't buy it. I just don't think so. And that leads me to, I really need to watch Ted Lasso because I hear so much about this show. And it's swept at the Emmys, so it, it's got to be good. I need to watch that show. I don't even know if I have access to Apple Plus. But y'all be watching Apple Plus because I don't be hearing a lot about it. But people are excited that the morning show with Jen Aniston is coming back. So must be good. 
But um, also, Michaela, just impeccable speech. Didn't even have to go long. Wasn't even long-winded. And dedicated it to sexual assault survivors. I have to admit, that's why I haven't watched I May Destroy You. Because I know that it will be definitely triggering. I've never been um, sexually assaulted or anything like that. But, well, we've all... we. Let me let me stop where I'm ahead while I'm ahead. I was gonna say we've all probably had some advances we didn't like, some touches we didn't like. Uh, I've shared on the podcast before how a man touched me on the train before, but I've never actually been raped or anything like that. So um, I'm just glad that she did take that time and, and that opportunity on the the, the the nation's biggest stage to highlight um, survivors, and I, I'm really proud of her for that. Now, what, oh, but I will say, I'm happy that Cedric hosted. And I I read an interview with Cedric, and he said this quote, I don't know when I became this kind of OG godfather, especially when it comes to black comedians, but I want to evoke change. I want things to happen in this business, and I do have a voice, so I will use it to see if I can make a change. I'm happy Cedric Entertainer got his flowers, or he got to, um host the Emmys. That was a nice moment because he really is an original king of comedy and he should be treated as such. But but you see what I'm saying though, y'all gonna have the black people host, but y'all not gonna let us win. Interesting. Moving on from what I've been watching to what I've been listening to. Here's some albums that you should check out. All or Nothing by Rotimi and he's got a baby on the way or he, he either has a baby on, on the way or had a baby one of the songs I listened to, he, he definitely shouted out power and how just a couple years before that, he didn't know what his next move would be. And that's a great message. You just never know when God will open a door for you or a window or a tunnel underground. You don't know how God could get you through the door, but he will. So check out Rotimi's album, All or Nothing. You know, great Afrobeats vibes. Montero by Lil Nas X, of course. You know I just gotta stand this young man. I don't care if you don't like the music. But by the way, the album was a pretty solid album. The album was cool. The album had features from Miley Cyrus, Doja Cat, Megan Thee Stallion. The album was cool. He was a little whiny at times for me. And I think that's just goes to show that he's 22. His music is probably for Gen Z. His music is probably not for me. Because some songs were kind of emo. I want to kill myself. But you know, he got, he got real. He got real and he told his story about his family about being a young gay black man. So I have no choice but to stand. Even if you don't like the music, you have to commend him for putting himself out there and putting out a pretty good album. The album was good. I can't I can't complain. Um Drunken Words, Sober Thoughts by Seven Streeter. I've been listening to that. Great chill R and B vibes. And I've also been listening to Tem's album. I can't remember the name right now. I think it's like if 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 orange was a room, if orange was a, I'm terrible, y'all. Let me look. If orange was a place, there we go. I was close. <laughs> if orange was a place is the name of the EP. And wow, I just gotta say, you you just like Rotimi, you never know that one song or that one gig that's gonna put you at the top. Thames was featured. Thames has obviously had a. Uh, 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 career long before Essence, but once Essence shot to the top of the charts, honey, everybody knew who Thames was. So shout out to Thames, that's awesome, and I'm really happy to see another artist shine. Uh, you know, start from the bottom. I love an underdog story. 
Now, let's talk about some tours coming up since we're talking about music. The last rose petal will be Tiana Taylor's farewell tour. And um, we already talked about on the podcast before how I think it was about this time last year. I was kind of coming for her because she was upset that her album didn't get as many streams as she had wanted. And I was, and she was like, I'm done with music. And clearly she really is because she's doing a farewell tour. But I mean, I feel like if you're passionate about something, if something's in your blood, you're never really done with it. You know, she might call this a farewell tour, but she's not going to stop ever making music or stop ever dancing. She just performed with Nermani at the VMAs. So she's calling this a farewell tour, but um, we don't know, exactly know what she has up her sleeve. So I'm sorry that I came for Tiana Taylor last year because as soon as I put out that podcast episode, she came out as like Pretty Little Things creative director. So yes, she might be putting down music, but she's dropping up, she's picking up other creative projects. So I, I'm sorry, Tiana Taylor, my bad. I came for you on the podcast and I'm happy that you're doing your farewell tour now. And then another tour coming up, the Fugees. The Fugees are going on tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their second and final studio album, The Score. Now, I feel like this has been happening a lot where COVID just started making people think, what can we do next? What can we do differently? And so the Fugees say, all right, 25 years is probably about time we go on tour. And that's a great idea, but is it really going to pan out when Lauren Hill is so late? I'm sorry, y'all. I got to talk about the lateness. I got to talk about the lateness because I myself am going to a concert next week. I'm finally seeing J. Cole for his off-season tour on September 29th on a Wednesday, y'all. And the show doesn't start until 8. So you got to think, if the show don't start till 8 and 21 Savage and Moray are opening up, J. Cole not going to come on till like 10. And it's a weekday, and I have a job. And I, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Like, every minute is important to your audience. And I understand you're an artist and, and a damn good one at that. Lauren Hill is very... Very established and, and well-decorated, but it's a respect thing. It's just a respect thing. I don't care how big of a celebrity you are. You can't waste people's time. And if J. Cole had me waiting until 11 o'clock at night to see him next week, I'm going to be mad. And so, Lauren Hill, you need to be on time, sweetie. I don't even I, – I, if I was a fan, I would be scared to buy a ticket to this show because you don't know if the show going to get canceled, if it's going to be on time. So keep that in mind if y'all trying to see the Fugees this year. Um, now speaking of music, Rolling Stone has announced their 500 greatest songs of all time. They recently just did this this past week. Um, so by the time y'all listen to this, this story might be a little old, but it's still relevant. It's still important. Now I read the article and they said that this is the first time in 17 years that they're updating the list. The first list came out in 2004. And as you can imagine, 2004, it was heavily... Um, you know, pop rock. I mean, 2004, you got to think about like, uh, all American rejects and, and they were probably on the list and bands like that. Well, times have changed. And they said that on this list, I think they said the top 100, like half of the top 100 weren't even on the last list, meaning they probably weren't even known 17 years ago. So that's saying a lot. We have a lot of great new music in the past two decades. But they still chose some oldies for their top three. So out of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, 
Number three is a change is going to come by Sam Cooke. Coming in at number two, fight the power by public enemy. And number one, respect by Aretha Franklin. Now, what a coincidence that they come out with this list and put Aretha Franklin at the top when her movie just came out. How much money did Jennifer Hudson have to pay them to get at number one? I, I don't know. I'm not trying to say some sponsorships involved, but that was very interesting to me. That is a very interesting coincidence. Another coincidence is the fact that all three of them are songs that are kind of like, give me some respect, fight the power, change is going to come. They're giving very much black power meets Black Lives Matter. All of these top three are black artists. I don't know if Rolling Stone is pandering here or if they genuinely believe that black artists deserve to be the top three of the world's greatest 500 songs. I'm leaning towards the latter, but I don't know. All I know is if it's black, I'm here for it and I'm supporting it. So they said that they had 250 industry figures weigh in on this list. I don't, I, I wonder how many of them were black. How many black people in the, in the music industry did you ask? That I will have to let y'all know because I didn't dig too deep into that. But overall, I'm satisfied with their um, 500 song, greatest songs of all time. And if you wanted to know what was the 500th song, it was Stronger by Kanye West. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure Kanye is probably on there multiple times. And um, now let's move on to something kind of music related, but not really. Jeezy, Jeezy is a rapper. You see how I segued? I was trying to segue, y'all. Jeezy and his wife, Jeannie, are having a baby. And I'm excited for them. I'm happy for them. Her baby bump looks small. But I think, I think she's like, mm, she might be like three months along. No. She's actually only like five months along. Wait. Let me read, let me read y'all this article from Women's Health to, to, um, to let you know, because I, I think it was in this article, but I don't remember. This is some information that I didn't know though, that I learned from Women's Health. They had the exclusive with her, um, little exclusive baby pictures or whatever. So it says, Jeezy and I have been kind of saving this and hiding this for five months. Okay. Yes. So there it is. She was five months. She, she is five months pregnant. She tells Women's Health. So we're relieved to finally share the news. She's admitted a bit nervous too. Before this morning's show, her co-host had no idea she's expecting. Now I will say this. I saw Jeannie post a picture on Instagram and Tamar gonna have the nerve to comment, oh my God, you're definitely pregnant. Okay, even if I am, why would you say that? Like, why would you post that? I clearly don't want people to know because I haven't announced it. So why would you put that in the comments? And the comment has since been deleted, thank God. But Tamar would be on some other shit. But anyways, so her co-host didn't even know. Her, her co-host on The Real didn't even know. And she says she can finally, you know, stop hiding her baby bump. Now, this is the part that I didn't know. Jeannie and Jeezy decided they wanted to start a family nearly a year ago, but they struggled to conceive. She said it was not easy. They even tried in vitro. They tried IVF. She said, we both needed a bit of assistance, especially with me being 41. So then just a month before the couple's March 2021 wedding at their home, she discovered that she was pregnant. But soon after that, she had a miscarriage. And so she said, I wondered if I was being punished. I wondered if I jinxed myself or cursed myself because... Up until last year, she never wanted to be a parent. So this is what I wanted to address that I saw on Twitter. How people were coming for Jeannie like, oh, how are you going to be pregnant with Jeezy, but you told your last man you didn't want a baby? And somebody tweeted, 
the with him must have been silent. Yes, it was. And I want y'all to know and recognize and remember that women can change their minds. We can say one thing in one season of our life and change our minds and feel a different way in a different season with a different partner. That different partner brought that out of her. She said she didn't want to be a parent. This is what she said to Women's Health. My entire life, I never wanted children. When I say never, I'm talking a hard stop, never. She symbolized the choice with a tattoo on her stomach. It gave her a sense of freedom and serves as a reminder that motherhood is, al is always her call. So following the miscarriage, she found herself reflecting on her change of heart. Falling in love with Jeezy made me see life differently for myself. Our love is honest, pure, and safe, something I hadn't felt as a child. So she clearly had a, a turbulent upbringing as a child, and, and Jeezy did as well. And so both of them finally decided we want to foster that happy environment for a child that we never got growing up. And so after she had the IVF and the miscarriage, she discovered that she was pregnant again. And she said... It makes sense that during the happiest, most stress-free period of her life, you know, what, after the marriage and whatnot, after the wedding, they were finally able to conceive. She said it was the most beautiful sign that anything's possible, that you're not in control and God has a plan. So I just want to reiterate the fact that like, if she told her last man she didn't want to be a mom, that's her prerogative. And if she wants to have a child now, that's her prerogative. And I, I just, I just, want the best for Jeannie. I want the best for Jeezy. I'm happy for them. And this is a, just a heartfelt story about how somebody had IVF before, had a miscarriage, and then was able to conceive on her own. So congratulations to Jeannie and Jeezy. And the whole, you know, Jeannie being on the real brings me to my final topic of the day, the messiness that is Nicki Minaj. So if you follow the YBO podcast, on Instagram, I posted a video, a little five-minute video, about how the other week, Nikki was posting about the vaccine, saying some crazy misinformation shit, talking about my cousin's friend got the vaccine, and then his ball swelled up, so now his fiance called off the wedding, blah, blah, blah. Go watch the video on Instagram if you want my full opinion about that. But now I'm realizing that whole Twitter antics was probably Nikki trying to turn the lens away from this court case going on with her husband and his rape victim. Let's not forget that Nikki married a sex, sex offender. Like, can we just pause right there? Number one, why would you ever get with or date or marry or have a child with a sex offender? Knowingly, like everybody knows it. So it's not a surprise to Nikki. Don't act dumb. Don't act like you didn't know. Kenneth Petty is a sex offender. And so the woman that has accused him of rape, which I'm believing her story, um, the woman who has accused him of rape has finally spoken up this week on an episode of The Real. And I'll just read you uh, what, what's being said here. The woman at the center of a lawsuit against Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty, is speaking out about the couple's alleged intimidation tactics. Jennifer Huff said during an appearance with her lawyer Tyrone A. Blackburn on The Real that she wanted to speak to the public because she's tired of being afraid. Quote, I feel like the actions that were taken in regards to this whole situation put me in a different type of fear at my age, and it was wrong, Huff told the daytime talk show host. The only way not to be afraid is to continue to speak up. 
So according to the New York State Sex Offender Registry, Petty was convicted of attempted first-degree rape in April 1995 for the 1994 assault of Jennifer Hoff. Hoff recalled the time she says Petty raped her before school that year. Hoff encountered Petty at the bus stop and he put an object in her back and forced her into a nearby house. I knew what he wanted, Hoff said. He pushed me down in the bed. We wrestled for my clothes. And so now, Nicki Minaj is basically trying to pay this woman off and bury this court case and keep it out of the tabloids. And this woman said that she has spoken to Nicki herself and she told her, like, I'm not going to take your money. I'm not going to do that. And I'm glad this woman is speaking up because Nikki has really been on some goofy shit. You, and I just want to say this. You had Safari. You are Nicki Minaj. You've probably had your pick at any man in the industry. Why would you go back to the hood and just pick a sex offender? Like, you could have been with Drake or Nas. Why would you pick Kenneth Petty? Why would you go back to the hood? And that just goes to show you can't take the hood out the girl because she's been talking nonsense on Twitter, defending her sex offender man, and now you're trying to pay off a rape victim? This is looking very messy, Nikki. And if I were doing your canceled, Nikki would be canceled right now because I just can't believe that she married this man, had a child with this man, and now she's defending him and intimidating uh, witnesses and victims. So I really pray for this woman because it's bad enough when you have to deal with an assault, but add on the celebrity factor and, and, and the fact that she even has to go on the reel and talk about this, like it had to be addressed and I'm glad she did it, but let's keep her Jennifer Hoff in mind and her mental health because I'm sure she doesn't want to relive this. It was like 25 years ago and it's just coming to the surface. And so, um, I mean, the reason it's coming to the surface because this man, I'm pretty sure this man was just accused of doing something else. Like, ew. So yeah, Nicki Minaj, she's been in the news on some goofy shit. I feel like everybody's been doing some, is, is it something in the air? It has been a full moon. And also, I'm recording this on the fall equinox, so the season is a changing, y'all. It's about to be fall, and I don't know what's next for this next quarter. <laughs> That's a wrap on episode 146 of Young Black and Opinionated. Make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening and leave me a five-star rating if you like what you hear on this episode. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the YBO Podcast. And you can follow me, Miss Chris D, M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And I definitely have some merch on the way for you guys. I've been working on some cool like affirmation statement t-shirts. So I think those might come out like October 1st, but don't quote me. <laughs> but they are definitely coming this fall for sure. Um, and then also I want to work on an event, my first YBO event. So just pray for me, y'all, because life is getting hectic. But I really, really want to do this for you. And I really, really want to make this happen. All right. So I will talk to y'all next episode. Bye.